my privilege, got to get the mic to come on first, right? It is my privilege today, number one, to be in this place with the worshipers of God. You know, uh, there's nothing more delightful, I think, into the ministry than to be a part of the worship. You know, this is a very, uh, it's like the appetizer for heaven as we get prepared to just get to be with the Lord. Uh, I can only imagine what it's going to be like to sing with the angels and the choir of heaven and to be there with you guys too. Um, we're praising for God for what he's been doing. I'm grateful that Ken is here with us today. Uh, there's a couple of things that he shared last night. I want to give you a couple of quotes to go along with it, but I want to share a couple of things. This is uh, this quote. This wasn't from Ken, so I'm not quoting Ken at the moment. This is Oswald J. Smith. It says, no one has the right to hear the gospel twice while there is someone who hasn't heard it once. You know, Ken said something last night, and he was talking about how, as the Assemblies of God, we have been um, wanting to not send our missionaries to the reached, but to the unreached. And so I think that this quote speaks to the heart of missions in a very big way. we got to remember how important it is. We've heard the gospel, but there's a lot of other people, maybe even within our community, that maybe have heard a little, te- little piece of the gospel, but not enough for them to understand what it's really all about. So let's keep this in our heart as we're preparing to hear from Ken today. And one other thing was, um, this is a quote from A.B. Simpson. He says, prayer is a mighty engine that is to move the missionary work. And uh, I was listening to Ken share his testimony last night, and he shared how there was a move of God, and he was a part of that move. And what I caught in my ear was, in the background, was there was some people who were praying. There was a prayer meeting. And God seems to always do something powerful. His, the, the move of God is, is generated by the prayers of his people. And so I'm really touched by that. I'm, I'm motivated and moved by what Ken is going to share with us today. I'm looking forward to seeing the context of what the call of Jesus was to go into all the world. Um, and a part of that in Cambodia. Um, I'm delighted to have Ken here with us. He's been uh, 24 years plus a missionary in Cambodia. Um, we're grateful to have a veteran among the missions among us. Ken, would you come up and share with us, please? Please give him a big hand. It's funny, when you've been in another country speaking another language, you hear literally things that are spoken in English. And so with a big hand, I was expecting somebody to give me a big hand. You should have seen the face of our translator from one of the pastors that got there. He turned to him and said, would you say a word of prayer? And the translator said, prayer. (laughs) Another one, would you say grace? Grace. (laughs) It's funny kind of some of the things we use that we're used to that other people when they hear them think a whole lot different. That happens to me a lot now that I speak another language and have been there quite some time. It is great to be here with you. Uh, I look at my records and think it was like 11 years ago that I shared on a Sunday morning here and that we had a potluck afterwards too. Uh, probably most of you weren't there. Anybody remember me from way back when? Muchas gracias. Did I speak here after that? Can you remember? I'm still trying to think because I remember the sanctuary and I remember meeting with Mike and his family, but I don't have written down that I spoke here five years ago. I don't think... Ah, that's what it was, maybe. But yeah, so you can help me out. And Albany, 
talk to me later, okay? That's where I'm from. That's where my family's from. That's where I was in ministry for 14 years before I went to Cambodia. And that's where I hang out while I'm running around the state, too. So I'm an Oregon boy, but I don't get over on this side quite as much. You made Cambodians exceedingly happy this morning. <laughs> we have interesting bucket lists, but one of the biggest things on a bucket list of Cambodians, almost every last one of them, in their lifetime to see snow. And so just the pictures that I took and sent to them this morning, which is their night, they're all asleep now, they were really excited that you had snow for me here. I wasn't quite so excited, but they were. But Joseph took good care of me, so it made it easy to get in and out. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much and are so thankful for your goodness. Over and over, I am just reminded that you are Emmanuel, that you're God with us. That you're not far off, you're not unconcerned, but you're very concerned with our lives and the life of each person. It's kind of hard to conceive, but we know by your word that you care about every one of us even the hairs on our head, which is easy for me that you have numbered, but you know us and you care about us. I pray that today that you would speak individually to hearts with different things that are shared or said, speak and do something different in each one of our lives. Help us to lift up our eyes and see the fields are wide of the harvest. Help us to be people that would pray the Lord of the harvest to send more laborers into the harvest field as well. Help us to feel a, a godly sense of righteous joy in the things that you're doing around the world. Sometimes we can get discouraged when we look at our own little world around us. But to see today the incredible things that God has been doing and that you will continue to do. Lord, just bless this service and this time. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. So, we all love the promise in, I do believe, in Romans chapter 10. So, you'll wait on this. Can you just wait until I tell you to start on the pictures, guys? Hello, guys. Could you just wait on the slides until I give you the go? All right. And so it says, For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anyone, young or old, whatever color, whatever background, whatever status in society, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But we know that Paul then asked some questions right after that. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, but how are they going to call on somebody in whom they've never believed? I don't know if you've ever thought about that or encountered something like that, but how do you call on somebody to get saved in whom you've never believed? And how do you believe if you've never actually heard about that person? Hard for us to conceive, but places in the world that have never, ever, ever heard. Literally, when I went to Cambodia, and that's the reason I chose, I didn't have some Macedonian call, go to Cambodia. I said, I want to go where people haven't heard yet. And literally, as I started to learn the language, I would ask people, do you know Jesus? And the way they say Jesus is more like it would be said in French, Jesus. Is there any way you can back up or just take that off or... Just stop it for a little while. Okay, I won't look there, and then I won't know what's back there. But literally, I would say, Yesu. Yesu is Jesus. And they would say, Grandma who? Because in the Khmer language, the Cambodian language, Ye means grandma. And Su means endurance. 
And they'd say to me, well, I've heard of a lot of grandmas, but that's a very strange name for a grandma. Because literally 98% of the people had not even heard the historic name of Jesus. Because of the wars and genocide, the things that went on, not even heard the historic name. Not that he's the son of God, that he's the savior, not even the name. And how do you call on somebody you've never believed? How do you believe in somebody whom you've never heard? Well, we know the next thing. How do they hear without a preacher? As Christ became incarnate for us, God needs people that will go where they've never heard before. And that's, like I said, why I went. So that I could learn language, could learn culture, spend the rest of my life or at least working life to be in that place so that I could bring the good news of Jesus Christ that had changed my life so much to people that had yet to hear. But how do they preach unless they're sent? And today I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Maybe you don't comprehend, but when you give your missions month after month and send off, that's what helps us. That is what's key. Projects are nice and this and that, but the core is when people give to missions so that we, people like me, and you'll have Shay here next week and stuff, can go and learn the language and learn the culture and build relationships to be able to make disciples, because it didn't say converts, make disciples that in turn can grow and become the church to reach their own people. And so thank you so much. Normally, for 20 years, when I would go to churches and be home, I would preach. But your pastor knows how to preach on missions. This time around, I want you to see what you've been invested in. This church has been helping me for at least 11 years now to be in Cambodia, and God is doing things in Cambodia. So as you watch, don't think, wow, that's great what Ken's done. That's awesome what God's done. Think, it's awesome what God has done. We're thankful that Ken could go, but Ken went because of what we do. And when I share about the different things, how our budgets work is we raise our budgets, and in them they have our living and all that. Well, if I live cheap, which I am about as cheap as they come, I'm a single guy that doesn't hardly spend money, the money that's left that was raised, you can use to do all sorts of different ministry things. And so you're going to see, and almost everything you will see today is funds that were given to me monthly that are now being used for missions to do all these different things that we're going to talk about and going to see. So if you can go ahead, now you can start. So Cambodia had the gospel a little bit. There's countries all over the world that have had it for centuries. But Cambodia had it a little in the 20th century through Christian and Missionary Alliance, but very few. But by 1975, there were maybe 10,000 Christians alive. But you and I know at that time, the Khmer Rouge took over and they killed anybody that had any kind of education. Even if you wore glasses, you were put to death to make a better society. Let me tell you, socialism, communism doesn't work anywhere. And they wiped out the people that had heard about Jesus. Well, it started to open up the doors again in 1990-91. There were maybe two to 300 Christians alive, most of them Catholic, that were in the country. Two to 300 Christians alive, and most people, like I said, 98%, not even heard the name of Jesus. Well, when I got there, God's providence, I lived at the Bible school. I'm a single guy. So all these ones you're seeing, not only did I end up getting to teach them, 
But since 1999, I have known every single student well that comes through the Bible school because I not only teach, but my office is there, my house is near there. For 10 years, I lived on the campus. So they're not only my students, but they're my friends. They're disciples, the people that I get invested in over the last 25 years. And so that means pretty much every single pastor is my friend and a person I have a relationship with and that I've gotten to teach. We just, I was so sad. Two nights ago, they had a graduation with me gone, and it's one of the few in 25 years that I haven't attended. And some of these kids or young people, some are older. I wasn't there. Now, this is the exciting thing. Right here, three years, two years ago, for the first time, we have a Cambodian director of the Bible school. Because we're there to work ourselves out of jobs, right? What an awesome thing, this young man. And I've known him since he was a kid, and his wife was my uh, accountant. Well, how many Christians were alive in 1991-92? How many? Not here. Two to three hundred. What you're seeing here recently, because all six Bible schools for different denominations in Phnom Penh all have Cambodian directors now. And they want their students to know and love each other and work together. And so they decided every semester we're going to have a fellowship of the Bible schools together. Well, just at this one at my place before I left, 250 Bible school students, as many as there were Christians alive 30 years ago, just loving Jesus, celebrating, and getting to know each other to serve God across Cambodia. Go ahead and move forward. Bible school, though, is so for so few people. Some are called and they go there for four years of training, but for most people that want to be leaders involved in their churches, they can't go to a traditional Bible school where, where you live there, particularly out in the rural areas where they have farms and families and things. So with the help of Light for the Lost Men's Ministries, we were able to translate 18 of the books in the Christian Life series into the Cambodian language. And what we do is we go to them. So it depends on the area, but out in the rural areas, we do two days every two months when it's a holiday or something like that and teach. And they get through all of the books, 18 in three years time then. It's helping to build children's workers, youth workers, elders, home group leaders across the country as they're working through. And again, in their own language, we can give them the book in advance. They can read it. Then they can come to class and then they still have the book afterwards as well. And so thank you, those who give for light for the lost so that we can do that and make disciples. Go ahead and move forward. One of the other things light for the lost helped with was we did the full life study Bible, the fire Bible in the Cambodian language. Think, most pastors don't have anything but their Bible in their language. to try to prepare sermons and do things and teach. Well, we had the full life study Bible. Only problem was nobody knew how to use it. God laid in my heart when I was home five years ago, start to train the key leaders in Cambodia so that they know how to use a concordance, a cost reference, the, the study notes, and all the things that are in this. Otherwise, it's just this big old Bible that's hard to carry around. And so what you're seeing here, those are the national leaders now of the Assemblies of God and people from around the country that were at a training that we did on how to use the tools. Well, now they are going out to other areas, taking the Full Life Study Bibles, giving them out, but then teaching them how to use the tools. I wish I could tell you all the different testimonies, people from churches, because I get all around the country. I'm a, a tourist Christian because I don't stay. I'm the director for the Assemblies of God, so I run all over the country. 
People say, my pastor's so much better since he got that big book. <laughs> because all of a sudden, he can look up cross-reference, he can have topics, he can see opinions, there's articles, and it's focused on the Holy Spirit as well. And so thank you so much, and continue to pray as we train people. We're trying to put them on YouTube now so that they can have it in the Khmer language. Go to YouTube and watch what they've learned, because how many of you know when you hear something once, sometimes you forget? And so they can go back and look at it. So go ahead and move forward. One of the other things, again, what was the thing? Most people had never heard. How do people come to Christ? The power of the word, right? It is the power of God of the gospel. It's the gospel. And so God laid in my heart, get the book of hope, which is basically the Bible, but it's just the synoptic gospels in story form with articles and things. And I work with Bible Society. We're on the board for the Bible Society with all denominations there. And we did the book. It was me at first. Just doing it, trying to get it in. Oh, my goodness, a lot of work because it's so difficult to get things in and across the borders. But God opened up some doors, and I started to go to some schools to give it out. But then God laid in my heart, train up nationals. And there was this girl that I'd met when she was 16 that was like one of the only leaders of youth that we had in the country. And God said, ask her to be the leader. This girl has become one of the top leaders, not just in Cambodia, but across Southern Asia for teaching children's ministry and youth ministry. She is so creative and she brings in, now she doesn't do the distributions, she brings in people from all groups, all denominations that are there to train them. During COVID, she was all over the place on Zoom and with all these different ones, helping to continue to train and encourage them to take the books. We've been able to give out over 2 million copies now in public schools. Well, this is one of her ideas. And Oregon helped to do this. Give out toothbrushes because most kids have never had a toothbrush before. And when you give out the books, teach them how to brush their teeth and do some other things like that. Well, the government took note of that. And the Department of Education, the Minister of Education, gave her a letter that gave her permission to go to any public school in the country to give out the Book of Hope if they would brush teeth. And so your giving helped us get toothbrushes and helped open up the doors so that over two minutes, and they don't throw books away. Here we get all sorts of stuff that it's like, they don't have much. And so they read them and they take them home. I wish I could tell you testimonies of parents that saw that word hope, your hope and then read and found out how to find hope in Jesus Christ. Because they have a religion or what you would say a philosophy of Buddhism that's very little hope. You just hope a little that your next life will be a little better than this life, but most people don't think they'll ever get to nirvana, and nirvana is just nothingness. And so here, one of the other things she's instituted is called Cultivate. She chooses four to eight young people every quarter to come to a six-week internship with her to learn how to do what she does, to multiply so that others can do it cross-denominational. They come as interns to learn and participate in the giving out of the books and the different trainings. And what fun, because it's at my office and stuff too, so I get to hang out with all these young people. I'm really just an old youth pastor. So that's one of the other things that's going on. Now, that group just started three, five weeks ago before I left, so I'm sad because I know them all really well. Some of them grew up in the schools you're going to see in a minute. Go ahead and move forward. So I was a youth pastor for 14 years and college pastor, plus my life was changed at a camp. I saw what happened when we have time away, men's camps and things, where it's different than your norm, where you can just focus. Camps. And God laid in my heart about a month after a team of young people from Oregon 
came and helped me with some things in Cambodia, have a youth camp, start a youth They didn't even have a single youth group in the country. We didn't have any real identity as an AG around the country yet. And God said, invite youth from the different places around the country, have camp. Well, can you imagine these young people getting to meet other young people that are believers in a country where your family persecutes you for becoming a true believer? Well, at the camp, we have discipleship. This is only for believers that are in the morning for discipleship. In the afternoons, all sorts of different games and things so they can interact and build relationships. It's team kind of concept. And in the evening, three things. Worship, the word, and respond to God. Nothing else. I wish you guys could be there to see what you... Every single one of these camps has been funded by Oregon Assemblies of God for the last 17, 18 years now. This is what you've invested in with your prayers and with your giving. And to see them. And on the last night, it's always a focus on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was fun, especially in the early years when nobody had ever heard of it or seen it. And all of a sudden, it was happening. Of course, we encounter a few demon possession kind of things too, but it's a spiritless world there. And so, but what an awesome thing is their lives are, and they go home and the pastors are saying, boy, they're different than when they left. Their parents are saying, wow, they're different. And the parents start to allow the persecuted kids to become the most trusted kid in the family as they see their lives. Go ahead and move forward. One of the other great things that came out of youth camp that I didn't even expect, God's good at doing things beyond what you expect, was the development of leaders. Because I asked different people to help me with different things. At first, it was tiring the first year or two. And the girl that runs Book of Hope was one of my main people. But what we started doing was we need to invest. Because how many of you know you grow a lot more when you're teaching others? If you're a spectator, you don't grow. Well, we started getting 16 young people with ability that love Jesus every year to train to be the team leaders during the youth camp. And we took the 320 kids and broke them up into teams of 20. And each one of these leaders had 20 kids to pour into and to lead during this time. From that has come our leaders for different churches, but this is a district one for Phnom Penh. This is a district for down south. And now we're starting to build up leaders that are going out to different areas. Well, from those top leaders, I started taking every third year some of the key ones to the Philippines where our seminary is for a two-week training on youth ministry and college ministry. That girl in the blue right there, she translated the Vietnamese study Bible, fire Bible. And now she's a missionary in Cambodia, reaching Vietnamese people in Cambodia. But from these times there, and them getting to know each other and learning, we now have, in a place that only had 200 Christians, we have the Department, the National Youth Department of the Assemblies of God, that they do most, I don't have to do much anymore, except find new things to work myself out of. I'm just an advisor, and they do it. They run the camps. They do the different events that we do and stuff. And now they've started having, again, district youth leaders that they're investing into in six different parts of Cambodia. Go ahead and move forward. So a lot of people, they just hear orphanage, and that's they think what missionaries do. I have never been the director of an orphanage, but we have one with the Assemblies of God because the government asked us to do it in the early days because at the end of the war, there were lots of baby orphans. Now we don't need orphanages anymore because war's over and AIDS is not as big. And so, but I got to know all the kids down there. It was about a three hour drive. But when I was learning language, we have holidays all the time in Cambodia. You think you got holidays, dude, we got holidays. We had 30 holidays during the year and they shut down. So I would go down to the orphanage to practice language and just relationship. 
Well, the kids started getting older. And then they're graduating from high school. And the guy that was the director of orphanage says, we can't just ditch them at 18 like we do with foster kids sometimes here. We need to help them for the future and go to university. I'm going to rent a place in Phnom Penh. And he rented it near my house. Would you kind of look after them a little when they're up there, but I'll help do this? Well, one year later, he left. So guess who got the whole thing? Me. But what an incredible thing it became. And you're seeing them here. Some years four would come, some years six, some years 10. In the height of the war stuff and all that, we had 12 and 14 kids at it. Well, it's become the big family. Before we were doing this, they just kind of were gone. Well, now they are key leaders, they're key workers in their families. I have 18 ex-wives <laughs> because I'm often the father in the wedding and the parents are more important than the bride and the groom. And so they have to choose a wife for me for one day as a teacher. So I don't really have any wives. Don't go out of here. But look at And now I'm having grandkids. They said, Ken, you're single and don't have any kids. But boy, you got a lot of grandkids. Well, now look, we have a Christian doctor and his wife is a nurse that cares about people and not just making money like most doctors in Cambodia. This girl's a doctor. It was medical team from Albany right there that helped inspire, to help invest, that they got to work alongside our doctors and nurses to learn more how to do it. And she is now working with rural people. That young man self-trained a lot of stuff. He got a degree in design, but he learned how to be an architect, to be an engineer, and, how to, and he has helped overseeing uh, Christian hospital built, being built, two Christian schools being built, and all sorts of churches. I call her the queen. For 13 years, she has been the secretary or assistant for the general council, the assemblies of God of Cambodia, and all of us know the assistants are really the boss. And she's awesome. In this picture is one of my accountants. There's a storekeeper. There's a business administrator and a head teacher that's in that picture that were from the orphanage. In this one, we have an English teacher. We have somebody who works at a Christian ministry. We have a bank person who works at a bank. We have a principal. We have a teacher. And we have a doctor and a, a salesman. In this one, a girl that works at a different Christian organization. We got the queen and a teacher and another designer there. In this one is a whole bunch of them that moved up to help with one of our ministries up in the second largest town in Battambong. And most everybody in that picture is a teacher or somebody planting a church up in that area. A number of them, after they get their degrees, have come to the Bible school, like these two young men graduated and are now involved in ministry. The kid in the white shirt is married to the girl in the pink. They're both from the orphanage. She's an accountant. She worked for Bible Society. He's the National Youth Director of the Assemblies of God. And right now, they just finished their first year at the seminary in the Philippines, getting their master's degree in theology to come back so that he can teach at the Bible school, so that he can pastor and continue to be the head of the youth for the Assemblies of God in Cambodia. Go ahead and move forward. Oh, they're cute. So one of the things the government asked us to do when we got there, before it was legal to be Christians, was have schools where there's no buildings. Partner with the government to start some public schools out where there were none. And so we did, and we did one building, and they had first grade, then they had second grade, and then they had third grade, and we helped with the buildings, we helped with their school supplies, their all that kind of stuff through a child sponsorship that used to be called Mission of Mercy that now is called One Child. And so we do and get to minister to kids, but because we partner, and it's a public school though, they let us teach the Bible one hour every week. From the time that they're in kindergarten all the way through, we do special classes, especially in COVID, because nobody learned to read and write in first and second grade. So we had third graders that had never been in first or second grade. And so we have special classes helping to do this. 
I have teams that come, and when teams from Oregon come, they go teach English, the ones that aren't medical teams. What an incredible thing, because English is the language of the world. And if they want to advance themselves in education, if they want better jobs, you've got to learn English. You can't go to university if you don't know something. Well, what an incredible thing. Can you imagine having 10, 12, 15 native speakers from America? I don't care what CNN tells you. America is still the favorite place of anybody on the planet. And they're like, oh, they almost worship oh, America. They worship us too much kind of thing. But what a thing that inspires these kids to want to learn more English and to get some practice pronunciation. Their teachers can teach like grammar and different, like the pronunciation and just getting to converse. And so it inspires them and helps them. And from that, you're going to see a bunch of them that come on to university and into ministry from this school and the other schools that we have there. Go ahead and move forward. So I had the dorms for the, for the kids from the orphanage. And I got to do discipleship for four years in the dorm. Well, God said, why not do that with kids from the rural areas? Because we were losing them. When they would come to town, they had to live with their Buddhist relatives that wouldn't allow them to do Christian things. And so we started to, with four of our churches in Phnom Penh, because I didn't want it separate from churches, the Cambodian pastors, I wanted them involved. So we started these dorms, where usually we have about 20 students at each one with four different levels of grades and stuff. And we get to do disciple. They're involved in their church. They're going to university. Most of them, and you're going to see in a minute, went through the Christian life or are going through the Christian life program and getting their certificate for going through that as well. You see some of them here getting their certificate. And so they're getting discipled and trained. They're in their church. But beyond that, they're going out and helping with outreach to plant other churches on the outskirts of Phnom Penh. And so now what you're seeing is them out and about. Can you imagine? These are college students going to college full-time, working full-time, going to their church, going back to their homes to share, and helping to plant churches. And they are becoming, again, like I said, key people throughout Cambodia as leaders in the church and in their communities. Go ahead and move forward. Team Challenge. So we had a Cambodian-American come to visit probably 18 years ago, 17 years ago, that had done well in America. Well, when he was out and about, he saw these street kids that were being pimped out to foreigners and stuff by the police. And he saw that they were all hooked on glue to keep skinny and so that they were under control and things. And he said, we need Teen Challenge here because he'd seen the incredible. How many of you know at Teen Challenge, God has done awesome things around the world. So we started it. But soon, do you know what happened? Once he couldn't give so much, the funding dried up because people care about trafficking if it's girls. They care, but nobody cared. And so this place was out of money. But I want you to know, when I felt like God said, send out a plea to pastors, to churches in Oregon, saying, would you give one month? $4,500 will do a month. We needed three years worth of it. Well, churches, individuals, home groups in Oregon, and then Pacific Northwest Teen Challenge jumped in too helped me cover all of 22, all of 23, and I have one month into 24 done. I got 11 months still to find, and then after that, but thank you. And for Oregon that partnered to help Team Challenge to continue to be there and to minister. And it's fun because now we've been there long enough, and Team Challenge from Oregon and around has partnered with us, and they're helping to do staff training. They're going to bring our leader over here, some to train here. They're going to come over there. I just had two of them with me to go see what really the needs were so they could train even more. And they've helped us financially as well. Go ahead and move forward. 
That's another one at Teen Challenge. Is it stuck on that? Go ahead and move forward. Oh, it's a whole bunch more of Teen Challenge. I didn't tell you to move forward. No. So this is some of the kids and the groups because they have group studies, they have individual studies, and ours really is Teen Challenge. Here it's mostly 30s and 40s kind of thing, but as you look at this, it's mostly, what, 15 to about 24 year olds out there. And God gave us a great piece of land. It was awesome for $30,000 because somebody was in a hurry to sell it. The building itself was worth more than that. And we got a bunch of land and different things. So they get to not only learn about Jesus and train, but they work and help raise their own food by doing rice and by doing other crops that we can eat and that we can sell hot peppers. Anybody like those hot peppers? They are good, but they are hot. Got it there. You see them in Thailand a lot too. And like I said, look how young a lot are. But again, one of the good things is we're starting to have students that really come to know Jesus, their life changed, that want to stay on as interns and are becoming some of our new staff at the Teen Challenge as well. And how many of you know former Teen Challenge people are some of the best pastors and best staff you can find? Go ahead and move forward. Like I said, I know everybody. We had no National Assemblies of God when I got there. They had a few people that the, new, the missionaries had led to Christ, which was awesome. The original missionaries led some to Christ. Well, then they started uh, getting people as pastors. Well, I got to be a part of this, the ordination of the first leaders of the church because they didn't have anybody else ordained to do it, so I got to be a part. Well, these is the National Department or National Council of the Assemblies of God that I was just with. Just went out with them to a church dedication as well. And so now I'm just an advisor. They have grown so much over the last 20 years that instead of just one guy ruling everything, they learned to listen to opinions and to work together. And now they've started districts. And what you're seeing here is they brought in all the district leaders from the six areas for training because nobody knows what a district leader is supposed to do. Nobody knows really what a shepherd's supposed to do. They know their little church or the place they started. Well, the Bible school now, too, has a coaching program. And a lot of these guys that are national leaders come and we partner them up with the newer pastors that are out and about as well. I'm a giant. Yes, I am. And the guy that's somewhat tall next to me is a Korean missionary that's with us, too. And you'll hear more about that later. Go ahead and move forward. So for 20 years, I have helped to coordinate those who wish to be coordinated. I am like the coordinator for the Assemblies of God in Cambodia. Well, I have a lot of different missionaries, not a lot, but 11, 12, 13 units from the U.S. I've got some from Canada, from Finland, from Sweden. We are the first place really in the world that I know that together all the different Assemblies of God and Pentecostal Assemblies work together. Some of our best missionaries, not just in Cambodia, are Filipinos. They have been there for 26 years, some of the pioneers that helped take the gospel out to where our school was at. He helps run a Bible school for outreach for people up near Thailand and has been there since the day I got there as well. But now the new move. God is calling people out of Latin America to be missionaries. This is my family that's praying right there. He is from Mexico. He's retired. He and his wife moved there, learning language and doing awesome. These ones are from El Salvador. This is from El Salvador. And this young couple from El Salvador just moved three months ago to start plant a church in a new area. My goal and the goal of the Assemblies of God Cambodia is to have a mother church in every provincial capital, 25 of them. We're only in 10 solidly, but now we got five new plants going on, six new, 
the ones on the right-hand side are from El Salvador, and they're planting in a place that's brand new up by Vietnam and Laos, the provincial capital up there. Almost all my new church planters are not Americans. They're not Koreans. They are from Latin America. Here's just within one year what's going on at that new plant up in the north. Bolivia, 25 years they pastored. He has a hard time with language, but they love people, and he knows how to take trash and turn it into treasure. That's their missions director for the country of Bolivia. And they plan to send a bunch for, but he goes out to the slums, takes the Book of Hope, shares what he can, and teaches them how to take their trash and make it into something that they can use to help make a little money from their families. And so now we have like six new church plants going on, all by people from developing world countries now. And I get the pleasure of helping. I want you to know Oregon saved their lives. During COVID, American church giving went up because the government's given us money. We didn't go out to eat so much. We didn't go on vacations. And so giving went up. But in places like this, there's no online giving. And they had nothing. And so for a year, they didn't get their support. But it was Oregon people like you giving to me monthly that I had enough that I could give and help them to be able to live through that time and continue the minister in Cambodia. It was Oregon churches that helped give the first $15,000 for this church. This, I wish I could tell you her testimony, but she was given English like this when she got up to speak once and has had it since then. And now she's there. Look at her church bowl in there, too, of sharing the gospel and things. Now the kids are growing up, and a lot of them are 18, 19, 20 years old. And her sixth graders were her home group leaders. And they would ride their little bikes out to the neighboring village every week after their church to do lessons and stuff for the children in the other villages as well. And so God is just doing awesome things, and Oregon has helped so much in being a part of this. Go ahead and move forward. So one of the things that I've had a lot of fun in the last three, four years, because Cambodia is a place that is all these countries working together, they asked me to be on the Assemblies of God World Missions Commission. Most of the other people are just thinkers and doctorates and all that. I'm the practitioner that gets to say, well, this is what it's really like on the ground. But what a fun thing, because the whole goal of this commission is encourage and help the developing world to send missionaries. Help them to do it. I was in, this is in Spain, at a commissioning service for new missionaries from Latin America. It was sad in that almost everyone that got up said, I'm so sorry. And they'd say, I don't have enough budget. I can't do rescuing. I can't do food programs. I can't do wells. I can't do this. I can't do that. And I'm like, oh God, what have we taught them that missions is? We're not the UN. Poverty reduction is not our goal. But somehow, because we keep going to Latin America, even when they've got the gospel already, we've given them the idea that's what missionaries do. But the fun thing was what they said then. We don't have all that stuff, but what we have is faith, the word of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what they're coming with, and that's what they're doing, and the ones going out to plant the truth. They will go places that my Western missionaries will not go. And God is doing it. Go ahead and move forward. This is the new way. God said, the harvest is plentiful. Go ahead and move forward if you can. Harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to send them. 
Well, where's he sending them? Is it stuck? Are you having a hard time? Um, where's he going to call them from? You guys have invested. Some of you older people I'm looking at have invested for years in sending missionaries to Latin America, to Africa, correct? Assemblies of God has been going for over 100 years, and the gospel works, right? Well, the church is strong. Sometimes we live in this little America world and think we're the only strong church around and not that strong as it is. Well, God has done incredible things, so you're giving in your prayer and those who have gone in Latin America and in Africa. Well, this is in Colombia in September, and this is a rally with the leaders of the Assemblies of God of every Latin American country and most African countries come together to say, we're going to be a part. We're going to start sending missionaries. We believe that every 10 churches, though we're poor, can come together and help to send a missionary. This is just Mexico's delegation, El Salvador, Bolivia, just from all these different ones. This is the Ghana, and that's where our next rally is in one year, is in Africa. That Africa shouldn't be receiving in most places anymore. It should be sending. We just want to write good articles, so we keep going to Africa because there's so many believers already. I want you to look at this and get out of 1930. This is just the numbers of Assembly of God or Pentecostal Assembly churches in these countries. Look at some of these. You can't hardly trip without falling on a church in Brazil. Brazil has 124,000 Assembly of God. What do we have, 13,000 in America? 124,000. Argentina, you've heard of the revivals in Argentina. And so there's lots of groups and denominations. El Salvador, over 2,000 churches. In Nicaragua, in Peru, 4,000. And sometimes we think, well, we've got to reach South. No, they got to reach us, maybe. But the awesome thing is they're finally saying, we're not going to places that speak Spanish. If they speak Spanish already, they got the gospel in a bazillion different ways. And the national church just needs to stand up and be the church. We're going to go to the unreached. God wants the gospel, like you said, for those who have never heard. And they're going to go to northern Africa. They're going to go to the Middle East. And they're going to go to the bamboo curtain kind of places in the Buddhist world as well. Look at Africa. Do you always think Africa is a mission field? Look at that. Ghana, where we're going to go, it's a small country, almost 3,000. Burkina Faso is a small country, 5,400. Kenya, over 10,000. Malawi, Mozambique, that's only been open for 32 years since the war, over 6,000 just Assembly of God churches. God is doing awesome things, amen? And the church is strong in these places, and when you're strong, you can't be like the boy that's living at home and is 35 and your mom's still doing the laundry and paying your bills. But that's what we do to them by keep sending stuff, stuff, stuff. They need the dignity of helping their own people reach and sending missionaries. Look at those. Nigeria, over 16,000. Now, Nigeria is not just going to send other countries, but the north of Nigeria is Muslim. And so they will be sending up that way. Tanzania, Uganda, that's the one that gets me because so many Americans still go into Uganda. All they do is shuffle Christians from one church to another and tell you all the churches they did. They pay pastors $10 to come to their seminar and tell you the great seminars they had for thousands of Africans. 
But if you talk to the national leaders, they're like, I wish they'd go away. We need their money. We want their money. Well, they don't really need our money either. And so I just want you to see, even in some of these, in old bloc countries, Eastern Europe or the Soviet Union, God is doing awesome things. Did you know the fastest growing sending AG nation in the world is Romania? Sending out more missionaries now than any other place increasing. Even though Ukraine's in the news and stuff, God is doing awesome things in the Ukraine. Russia, that's why Vladimir Putin had to make it illegal now to be anything but orthodox because so many people were coming to know a real relationship with Christ. And so I just want you to say, God is at work and he's doing things and really be praying for the world that hasn't been reached yet. Praying for the North African countries that were once reached 2,000 years ago, but since about 600 have been closed off. For the Middle East in many places, though God is moving where we can't go through dreams and miraculous things because there's no hope in some of these religions. There's no savior except in Christianity. Every other one, you got to work enough to try to make it. To go into some of these places that need the gospel, whether it be Thailand or Japan, that God would send. So please continue to pray the Lord of the harvest to send labors. But when you do it, don't just pray for American labors to go. Be praying for the developing world that's the next incredible wave in missionaries that's coming. They're coming to my place already and more coming, but to countries that don't have the gospel yet. And so I just again want to say thank you. When I was a young Christian until today, there was questions I asked myself regularly. Because it's even easy to say we believe things, but the real proof's in what we do, right? And so I like to ask people, do we really believe in a heaven and a hell as described in the Bible. Most of us don't really want to think or talk about hell much. We can kind of think of heaven, and that sounds nice, but do we believe? We would say with our mouths, but with our lives and our hearts, do we really believe that there's a heaven and a hell? Do we really believe that every person on this planet is going to live forever just a matter of where they're going to be? When you really start to think about that, it should motivate us, shouldn't it? That if we believe in those places and everybody's going to live forever and nice people will go to hell because you can't be good enough there to make it yourself. Well, my neighbor's nice and they have a good life. So, so we don't share with them. There's only one way. And that's the question I want to ask for most Americans. Do we really still believe that there's only one way there? The church I grew up in doesn't believe that. They'll tell you any old way that you're sincere is going to get you there. But I want to remind you, it wasn't us who made it up. Jesus is the one that said, he's the way, truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. It was the book of Acts that said, there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved but the name of Jesus. Do we really believe it? Or are we just going to let people try to get to heaven on sincerity and end up not in heaven? And if we believe these things to be true, do we believe that God wants everybody to have a chance to hear? that he had a plan from the beginning that all nations would be blessed through his son. Not just certain parts of the world, that every tribe, and which one of you said this is a warm-up to heaven for worship? Dude, come with me to Colombia and have like 40 different nations there all worshiping God. 
Every tribe, every language, people, and nation is God's plan. And this gospel shall be preached in all nations, and then the end will come. And again, the big question then we ask is, if I really believe those things, what's my eye doing? How do I show it? You'll go, you'll share, you'll be praying more. Because again, people come by prayer. God opens up their hearts and minds because it's a stupid story that we share. God, born a baby, in a barn, grew up, they crucified him, he rose again. If you believe in him, you can go to heaven. Imagine if you've never heard that story before and it's the first time you hear it. Paul said it's foolishness. But it's the power of God to salvation. And we're going to give, too. But I'm always looking for people, too, that will come and give a year or two or different things. Like God is still calling people, though he's calling them from around the world. He's still looking for Americans that will go, too. But again, I just want to say thank you, and I hope that you're encouraged by what God is doing around the world and that God is not done yet. And he's bringing literally thousands upon thousands, ten thousands, hundreds of thousands of people to himself. And the church is growing. Jesus, we love you so much. I'm so thankful that you have a plan. From the beginning, you've had a plan. Nothing catches you by surprise. We do pray the Lord of the harvest that you would continue to call out labors from all different areas that have believers to call them out to go into the harvest, to bring the good news to those who have never heard before. Help us to live our lives with our eyes wide open, to really believe things, and because we believe it, we're going to practice it. Again, we love you and thank you that we are not alone, that your spirit is here to help us in all this. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Pastor, thank you so much for letting me share it today. Well, I could have him every Sunday. Of course, I'm not going to get that, but I'm just, I can appreciate that big time. You know, there's a lot I put down here, but you know, one thing that he said, and I think this is something we want to keep in mind, is, is that we're a part of a big family. You know, every one of those plus are a part of the family of God that whether we get to see them or not, they're a very real part of what God's doing. And I think that's the bigger picture here for us, because as I call us to pray and as I ask for you out there to respond in, an, in a mindset of prayer, remember that we're praying for uh, not just those, not the ones that have been reached, but the ones that haven't even been touched. And when you think of it like that, the emphasis goes back to us to some degree because Jesus said, pray for laborers. And, you know, what a miss on the mark if I'm praying for other people to get in on the work of God and I'm just not willing to include myself in that. So I think the moment Jesus said, you pray for laborers, he was saying, the moment you do that, you know you're including yourself. Lord, what can I do? And, you know, I, I think it's just providential that Mary brought up that there's a grandson that's been just 12 years old, and he's handing out gospel tracts. And believe me, if you want to find, if you want to hand out gospel tracts, we can make sure that happens. That's very easy to do. And so... I think what we, we miss is all of our opportunities down the road, and I think the transaction is, what can I do today? What could I do right now? The moment I walk out these doors, or even within these doors, what can I do for Jesus? And I think it's not a matter of, and I like in how you shared, you know, it wasn't this big booming voice that said, you need to go. It was the heartfelt, 
what can I do and where do they need to hear it? And we are already in an county of people who need to hear it every day of their life. So I want to encourage you guys to remember that we're a part of a big family and God's wanting to make it bigger. He wants to bring some more into that family. And then uh, I like also Ken had shared that God is at work. And, you know, sometimes we don't get to see. And I, that's why I'm so glad you guys come and the missionaries get to share with us because it's so phenomenal that they're sharing with us that God is doing a work all around us. This is so vast that your 24 years there has been remarkable and what God has been doing and the people he's been raising up. And, you know, anything, anytime something gets to be large, it just gets much bigger because all the people involved are moving also. And so that in mind is that we want to be praying for God's work here and there and see that God does more. So I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged to pray as we end our service this morning. I want to be able to pray and then just finish our time in worship. So if you guys don't mind, can we all stand together? And I want to pray for them. If you want to come up front, I want you to come up front and pray for the Cambodian people that haven't been reached, for the parts of the uh, world that haven't been touched, because that's really the heart of what's going on there. And uh, let's pray together for it. So if you feel like coming forward or just where you're at, that's all right. But we just want to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is urging us now to pray for. And we want to pray for Ken um, as he heads out and just ministers to the other churches. Also, I just want to min mention to you, if you want to give to, to this ministry, to Ken Hoff, just write on if you have a check or if you're um, on an envelope and just let us know that it's going to Ken Hoff or to Cambodia and we make sure it gets to him. We want to make sure that that money goes to exactly where the Lord has put it on your hearts to put, place it. We're so grateful for your giving. Believe me, um, you guys are generous in every way to this community and the missionaries. So let's be praying for... Uh, God, to continue to fund places like Teen Challenge in Cambodia because uh, God knows how much they need it. Let's pray together. If you feel moved to, let's come up front, and we're just going to uh, worship the Lord in prayer right now. Father, thank you today, right now, that we have this amazing privilege in this church to raise up people who are trusting you, God. And if there's anybody here that's already feeling that sense and that call, already urging them, Lord, is the Holy Spirit is doing that here. I pray, God, that they will respond appropriately. Father, we're looking for opportunities. As you call somebody and they feel the sense of that calling on their life, we want them to move through that. Lord, we don't want to worry about the money. We want to start with the calling and the sense that the Holy Spirit is moving us to do so. God, we thank you for this community right now, right here in Wallowa County that needs, urgently needs, the people that are right here in this church they urgently need us to be witnesses in the corners of the community that we work in, the people that we are touching in their lives, Lord, that we are coming in contact with every day. And so, Jesus, will you urgently just move our hearts, press us to be more faithful to you, because, Lord, this call of obedience and the simplicity of love is found in another soul that finds their way to the cross of Jesus, that realizes how powerful it is to be having a gospel that is based on the forgiveness, not on our works, not on the basis of how good we are, but on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ to offer him up himself as a sacrifice for us. Lord, we want to pray right now for the people of Cambodia.
Thank you, Jesus, for those, Lord, who have been reached, those who have been trained, those who have been already prepared and filled with the Holy Spirit that are going out to minister where they are. So, Father, we want to pray that, God, that there would be courage and strength to minister to every one of them, Father, moving where they're supposed to go and reach the unreached. God, those that don't know and haven't heard the message of the gospel, the, the wonderful love of God through that, Jesus, would you reach them today, Father, and tomorrow and the day after that, Jesus. We praise you for those who will be touched and ministered to and will be faithful to the calling of God on their lives. We're so grateful, Father, that we are a part of this tremendous work that you're doing. That, God, that when we pray and we get on our knees and ask you to move, Lord, that you're doing it in ways that we're not seeing, but that we are trusting you for. God, we thank you for another young person that's touched. Lord, somebody that's been addicted, Lord, to some of drugs or substance abuse, somebody that's been abused, God, coming into the kingdom of God and finding what it is all about. Oh, Jesus, we're grateful, Father, for those that are being raised up, educated and trained for the work of the cross, the work of God, Lord, for the ministry of souls. Lord, we praise you as you're pressing it into more hearts and making it more a part of their life. We're so grateful for that, Jesus. Lord, would you use us today, God, in any way that you can? Lord, would you put money in our hands that are only supposed to go to missions? And Lord, that we would be faithful, Lord, when it comes to just pass it on to your work. Jesus, we're grateful for every way that we can be a part of what we're seeing here today. Lord, what we're hearing in our ears and God, even stories beyond this time that I'm sure if Ken could share, Lord, would just move our hearts to deep compassion and deeper love for the people of Cambodia and the world around us. Lord, we praise you, Jesus, as you're working a mighty work, and we give you all the praise. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. But Father, I want to pray for this teen challenge, that the money there, oh, church, let's pray for the teen challenge. Let's pray for the money to be raised that they need. Let's consider what God might do through us. Father, we pray, the Lord, that all the rest of the money that's needed for 2024, Lord, will be uh, already brought in. God, we praise you for lending and speaking to our hearts where you would. But Lord, we pray for that to stay. God, the young men that are being brought there will be raised in the, in the Holy Spirit. Father, we want to thank you for the drug addiction will be broken there and for every penny that comes in. So Jesus, we pray for a miraculous supply for the kingdom of God. A miraculous supply of money, a miraculous supply of people who will be faithful to that ministry. Oh, Jesus, we thank you, God, for people who will step behind the ministry and be raised up, Lord, for your glory. God, thank you, Lord, for Teen Challenge. And we bless them, Lord, and we praise you for them. Jesus, we thank you for the money that's needed. And God, we already give you praise for providing it. Oh, God, we do ask you, Lord Jesus, to challenge every one of our hearts today for the community that we're in and the people that we can be praying for. Lead us into fervent prayer in Jesus' name. Oh, dear God, we thank you as you anoint us for the work of Jesus. Lord, you're so wonderful in all that you do. You're so wonderful. Father, we give you praise. I'm going to ask for the worship team to come up. I want you to stay in an attitude of prayer.